What's up, folks? Welcome to Nino's Corner.tv. This will make fluff tube. I'm with uh, Eddie Bravo, the one and only Eddie Bravo, who changed the game of jujitsu. I mean, in my opinion, a lot of other people's opinions. I talked to BJ Penn extensively about you. I've talked to a lot of friends about you that are like jujitsu fanatics. We now have a mutual friend in, in Scott Peters who's implemented that into his football regimen, uh, offensive line coordinator, right? <laughs> is that what he is? He's uh, one of the offensive line coaches, yes. Yeah, yeah. So good, good. One of my best friends. I've known him for a long time, and now you're acquainted with him, and, and you're a big Browns fan, so that worked out. But first, folks, before we get into this, get your noble gold. No time like now to get gold. Geopolitical tensions are escalating. Inflation is raging despite what they say. Stocks are sinking. Debt is rising. And your own financial future isn't looking too good. Uh, you, yet gold endures every crisis, wars, disasters. No calamity has beaten gold. While paper assets crash and burn, gold endures every time. You need to take a fresh look at gold, steadying your portfolio. And right now, get a free three-ounce silver American virtue coin when you open an IRA and Noble Gold Investments today. Steal your savings with Noble Gold Investments. NobleGoldInvestments.com. Hit the link below, folks, and get started. All right, Eddie. Man, so lots to talk about. We talked about a little bit before we went live about some of the things we're going to cover. And this guy's an interesting dude. And I'm sure everyone on on YouTube knows who this guy is. But if my audience isn't acquainted with him, you can see him on Joe Rogan all the time. He So, I mean, I know, you know, you're black belt jujitsu, but I guess black belt comedy too, man. You do a lot of stand-up comedy, right? Uh. Not as much as a, a full-time comedian. I'm a part-time comedian. <laughs> I go up, I, I go on the road once a month. I go to, you know, I, I get a spot at the comedy store once a month. I, I don't, I don't um, have the time to be a full-time comic, man. I got a jujitsu empire to run and um, I, I got a family. I, my son's 11. He's all into weekend baseball tournaments. So, um, you know, and I also uh, uh, promote a couple jujitsu shows, Combat Jiu-Jitsu Worlds, Medusa, which is the uh, female combat, uh, female combat jujitsu show. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of shit going on. So it's hard. I, I, there's no way I could ever be a full time comic. Yeah, but <laughs> I've, no seen, I've seen some of your stand up. You're pretty damn good because stand up involves timing. Everything's timing with jujitsu, boxing. I understand timing from boxing. And I would imagine yeah. it's the same in stand-up, correct? It's exactly the same. Stand-up comedy is just basically two things. Uh, public speaking skills and being funny. And some people are funny, but they have no public speaking skills. That was me early, before jujitsu. I like I had no public. I, I DJed at a strip club for 10 years, so I thought, that was going to give me the public uh, speaking skills that I needed, but it turns out it wasn't enough. You, were a, fucking, days, you were a strip club DJ, dog? Yeah, dog, 10 years. <laughs> well, you were that guy. Give a hand yeah. for Lucy. <laughs> Put those hands together for candy. <laughs> Dude, you have the voice. No wonder. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's the fake It's the fake DJ voice. You know, the fake, uh, like, uh, South Park fake DJ. All right, guys, put those hands. Oh. You, know why they, you know why they talk like that? It's because that tone is actually what cuts through all the noise. Like, if you talk like you normally do on the mic at a strip club, nobody would be able to hear you. You have to, like, direct it. And, and like, it's, it's goofy, but it's actually the only way uh, you can talk on a mic and have people hear you 
but dude, it's like it's club. it's like universal. Like every strip club has that guy. They all sound the same. It's like a grimy fucking voice, dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Makes you feel dirty, dude. <laughs> Totally, totally. Those are some crazy times. <laughs> Dude, so let's talk about, you know, I always tell people in boxing, you know, I, I started boxing at five years old, and I always say, man, it takes at least, you know, six to eight years to be a good amateur. You know, it takes even longer than that to be a good pro. Yep. Obviously. That's, you know, you that's to... the same all the way through. Jiu-jitsu, comedy. You know, most comedians say it, it takes 10 years to finally get it. Uh, that's the same with jujitsu. Some people do it quicker, you know, but, um, the average, uh, to, to, to really understand comedy eight to 10 years, same thing with jujitsu, eight to 10 years, same thing with boxing, any sport, really, unless you're so, some crazy prodigy. And that happens. BJ was one of them, correct? BJ Penn. Yeah. Yeah. He, he got his black belt in like three and a half years, won the world championship, uh, like that year. Yeah. He, there, there's, uh, there's the exceptions. So that guy's just an anomaly. Yeah, BJ was when he was a white belt. He everybody knew he was going to be a star. The, the guy was just incredible. Just as a kid, just when he first started, everybody on the West Coast Jiu Jitsu scene was like, "Holy shit!" Who he looked like he was 14, but he was really 18. The kid wrecking everybody. Yeah. So, yeah, it, we, so we, Jiu Jitsu, do you have to be? You have to have that fluidity, that timing, and that explosiveness all rolled up into one, right? All of that. All of that. You could get away without explosiveness, though, in jiu-jitsu because it's a lot of it's just clinching, you know. So explosiveness does definitely help. But um, there's some guys that aren't explosive, but they're really good. They're just really good clinchers. They can clinch and hold you and uh, control you, uh, stay safe. Like in boxing, you clinch for for defense, you know what I mean, for defense. Same thing for jiu-jitsu. But the ones who know how to clinch for defense and offense, those are the ones that – don't necessarily rely on explosiveness because me, I'm not explosive at all, at all. I'm not fast. I'm slow. I'm just a really good clincher. And I know I can squeeze hard and immobilize people uh, as my go-to strategy. You know, when I was boxing, I was real explosive. That's like the one thing I had. I was very explosive. And and anytime they put me against a guy that was, had a lot of ring generalship and knew how to clinch, knew how to hold, knew all the tricks, the veteranos, um, I knew that I had to be even more explosive because they're usually the older, uh, more more savvy type guys that would you know they were the journeymen that you could say is it the same thing in jujitsu? I mean, I mean, what what? How did you beat? Like, let's talk about let's just talk about you for a second. Explain a little bit to the audience how big of a deal it was for you, an American kid, to go to ADCC Brazil. Correct? Did I say that right? ADCC Brazil. Yes. In two thousand three, folks live on national TV and beat the best grappler on the planet at that time, Royler Gracie. Dude, this was this was huge. It was monumental for you, especially. Yeah, it changed my life. <laughs> yeah. Changed my life, man. It was the uh, biggest upset in, in jiu-jitsu history. Did you go in there? Day. Did you go in there? I mean, every time I've gone into a fight, you know, there's always that unknown. You know, you just don't know. You really don't know. You can feel oh, confident. I thought I was, gonna, I thought I was gonna get killed. I, I, because I, it was a 16 man tournament. So to win the whole thing, you have to win four matches. And I was a brown belt at the time. And everybody else is a black belt in that. There's like these black belt world champions. And I'm like, oh my God. But I, so how I are you even more... competing against black belts if you're a brown belt? You were, the, you were I, able to I compete. I won the trials. 
I won the North American trials. I earned the spot. So um, I won that. That was in October of 2002 in San Diego. And then uh, May 2003, about seven months later or so, uh, that's when the big show was in Brazil. That was the main show. So I went there. I, I knew who was in it. Like these guys didn't have to qualify. I had, I had to qualify. And um, I snuck in. Um, and um, I never, I was just happy that I got a free trip to Brazil. I'm like, party. I heard so, <laughs> yeah. so, so much. I had been there three years earlier too. My first time was in 2000. And they're the best, a, right? Brazilian jiu-jitsu is known as top of the game, right? As, as far as what top of what game? Jiu-jitsu, right? I mean, the Brazilians have it on lock, right? That's how what that's what I've always understood. Uh, yeah, jiu-jitsu back then Brazilian maybe. Jiu Brazilian jiu-jitsu is uh big in Brazil, but it's not like soccer or anything like that. It's not. It's like um, it, 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 over the. I mean, it's the the history of jiu-jitsu man goes back a hundred years in Brazil, and there's a that timeline is fascinating with Helio and Carlos Gracie learning it like in 1920 and then them challenging back in the days in the thirties and forties, you know, forties, they took, there wasn't that much happening in the forties because of world war two, but the twenties, thirties, fifties, it came back sixties. It was, there was like UFC shit going on that we didn't know anything about. There was a Japanese fighter named Maeda. This was back in the, in the turn of the century, like 1900. He would travel around the world in circuses. And back then, that's where people fought. They fought in circuses. They challenged people. And that was all over the world, traveling circuses. And there was always a guy that, you know, he's a badass fighter. And if you could beat him, you'd get like five bucks or something. Yeah. Or they would just have featured matches. And this guy, Maeda, went all over the world. He's like before Hickson. Hickson wasn't even born. There's a Japanese guy named Maeda. He went all over the world challenging every everybody up. and he wasn't allowed to fight in mexico so he ended up wearing a mask he he's the one who invented the mascara for, for pro lucha, wrestling. the lucha libre so he invented it. he's a japanese guy because he wasn't allowed to fight uh so he decided to disguise himself and then he ended up uh settling down in brazil and opening up schools in brazil and teaching people in brazil and you know the gracies weren't the only ones who learned it but they were the ones that uh took it to um you know the heights that it's at right now man uh so the story of maeda there's a movie coming out man my master jean-jacques machado he's the guy who gave me my black belt he was a consultant in this movie and it, he's been working on it for the last you know couple of years movie on maeda and then it was supposed to be a movie one movie about maeda and then how and then hickson like both of them but it was like is, so it, is it going to be in a theater or is it going to be like netflix or like is this like who's playing this guy you know? I, I don't know i don't know i don't know you know nowadays the, the movie business is is uh it's almost non-existent it's, yeah. it's like man the movie theaters by my house they're like it's it's a, they're about to close down like no one's <laughs> Yeah, I, and, and it's easier just to surf through the channels and get what you want on Netflix. And if it sucks, you just go to the next one. In a movie, you pay 20, 30 bucks to get in there, and you're stuck. People hate going to the movies with me, and that's why I ended up I ended up going to movies by myself a bunch of times because I, I cannot <laughs> movie. If, like, within the first 15, 20 minutes, if I don't give a shit if these main characters die, if, I don't, if they, don't, they don't make me care about these characters, I just get up and leave.
That's how I am, dude. If there's a movie that's, I'm like, oh, it's two hours long. I don't even go. I don't even risk it. I, I'm, I'm not going. I'm not doing it. I do go like to the Alamo Draft House or whatever, and I'll like order food or whatever. If the movie's good, you know, Scarface was three hours. If yeah. the movie's good, I'm down. But yeah. yeah. Um. So let, let's get back to this because I really want to dive into this a little bit and get into and get into like how you started and hit the scene. Because did you know Joe Rogan back then, or did you become a Joe Ro- uh, become friends with Joe Rogan after you won the 2003 Jiu Jitsu yeah. Championship? No, no, we were, we were, we were really good friends when that happened. So, so much that um, after the after the strip club, uh, I, I mean, I quit my strip club job to be a writer, a comedy writer on the Man Show when Joe Rogan was the host. No and, way! Uh, and, and the only way I got that, I'm, I met Joe in, in jujitsu. We were doing jujitsu. He was a blue belt. I was a purple belt. This is 1997. This is way before that. How good's and Joe then, at uh, jujitsu? He's a black. He's one of my black belts. I ended up giving him a black belt, and and he got a black belt in the gi and no gi. Wow. He saw it. Yeah. Um. I, he hasn't trained in a while because he has back problems. But uh, yeah, he's a beast, man. Uh, but his striking, dude. His stri- I don't know if you know anything about his striking, dude. I know it's hard to believe that that dude, like, his his striking is insane, dude. It's insane. <laughs> I didn't know. That. I'm telling you, man. It's like he getting hard, dude. At the first. I was giving him private lessons. I, I was a purple belt. He was a, a blue, and he wanted to learn some of my 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 uh, crazy shit. I went to his house, and he has like a heavy bag handed. And I'd taken, I'd done a little bit of striking. I did a little bit of karate. I did a little bit of Muay Thai, a little bit of Danny and Asana system. I did a little bit. Um, so I knew, and I was a big boxing fan. I was a kickboxing fan uh, back way back in the day. So, um, uh, you know, we would be, in his garage and, you know, sitting there stretching out. Then he would just start wailing on the heavy bag and he would throw this turning sidekick on this heavy bag. And I was like, what is what? I mean, I'm like, is this normal? Cause I try to do it. I try to kick it. And it was like a little boy compared to a grown ass Ray Lewis type of a man. You know what I mean? And um, I thought, Either I'm the worst kicker ever, or he he's got like some crazy donkey kick. Like I couldn't, <laughs> I didn't understand it. So then I took those heavy bags at the jujitsu gym, and back then, even today, but especially back then, jujitsu was filled with a bunch of strikers who they were into martial arts, and then they saw Hoist Gracie fight on the ground, and then they said, "Oh shit, I wanna I wanna do this." That's what I did. But I was in the middle of karate. I had one stripe, one green stripe on my white belt in karate, and I saw the UFC, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in the wrong shit. And um, then, so there's a bunch of those guys, a bunch of karate school owners that do jiu-jitsu, and we, there was a heavy bag at the gym, and I wanted to compare, because I'm like, am I, being, am I crazy, or is it is keep seeing? And I I'm thought, okay, maybe there's a whole shitload of dudes like him. So then I would get guys, I'd go, hey, can you do a, like, there was this one guy owned a karate school, karate black belt i don't know what degree but a legit karate black belt who owned a school and i said can you do a turning sidekick on this real quick and then he goes sure he did it and i go joe now you do it and then joe would do it and that guy would go oh holy, he would trip. He'd go, holy <laughs> it's crazy right he goes yeah that's insane so then i st- i did that then i started telling a bunch of people like dude you you're not going to believe this but the fear factor guy is the hardest kicker Pound for pound that I that I've ever seen, and people are like, "What? The fear factor? Joe Rogan? Fuck you!" Fuck. Nobody would believe me. Everybody thought I was crazy. 
Um, so then uh, um, I, video, I had a, a GSP came to my class one day. And GSP has karate. He's a karate black belt. He, he was a karate man first. And um, I said, hey, watch Joe Rogan kick it, do it, do a turning sidekick and tell me what you think. And he said, okay. And I videotaped it. The video's on YouTube. You can watch it. GSP, arguably the greatest MMA fighter of all time. He's always in that conversation. And Joe started, <laughs> Joe started kicking the bag. And I have this on video. It's on YouTube. You can watch it. George St. Pierre, Joe Rogan, sidekick. GSP loses his mind. And like, he goes, wait, wait, wait. And he's like scrambling through his bag to get his phone. Because I got a videotape. Those people aren't going to believe me. He's freaking out. GSP. Wow. The, the ghost. Oh, shit. And then from that point on, everybody knew. Everybody knew that, holy shit, not only does he throw turning side. And I always told you, I go, dude, do you have any footage of you doing this? Like in Taekwondo tournaments? And he goes, and he goes, my mom has uh, somewhere. I don't know. Maybe, maybe somewhere. Oh, so somewhere. he was originally Taekwondo. Yes. That's where he learned. Yeah. That's where he learned the kicks from. He was, he was competed in Taekwondo. And he said, he goes, dude, when I would I would land those things and, and in Taekwondo you're wearing like bulletproof vests. You know those bulletproof vests? Yeah, yeah, the, the pads. I remember that. The chest pads. He goes, dude, if I landed, he would say, if I landed that thing, I didn't even look back. I just walked away. I, I knew nobody ever got up from that. Nobody. And I <laughs> even with the pads. And I'm like, shit, I wish I had some video of that. And he goes, ah, I don't know. This was in the 80s and shit. And then some one of his old teammates uploads it, uploads it on YouTube. That's also on YouTube too. And it was like the video, just like he described. It's like a 15 second video. He's like all packing helmets on and everything. And he throws a turning sidekick, levels the guy, the guy's flattened. And then Joe just walks away. Like it was nothing. Like just turns <laughs> and walks away, dog. Like, it was nothing. like, like he said, I, he did, I don't, you know, I just thought maybe he was a fan of MMA and he worked out. And cause I saw his, uh, his operation in Austin when I went with BJ and I was like, damn, dude, this place, this facility is nice. Like it had everything. It had everything. So I didn't know. I who would know who would know. You know what I mean? I didn't know. Yeah. He, he was, he competed in Taekwondo and then got into kickboxing. He did like smokers and kickboxing. He never really, he got into comedy. The comedy took off before the kickboxing did. And plus he didn't want to do it anyways. He was just like, in sparring, he would have, like be concussed. He would have headaches. Not my brain. So he wanted to get. He he didn't see a future in kickboxing, anyways. So then he was already doing comedy on the side. Then his comedy, and then he's like, "Okay, see ya." But he never stopped training. He trains all the time. He trains striking all the time. He never stopped. No, ever, but he, you said he has a bad back, or you have a bad back. I have a bad back, and he has a bad back. Yeah, I I, I had back surgery. L four L five S one fusion. That that took me out forever. Like I was never the yeah. same. Never the yeah, same. I have I have a um a disc replacement in my L five S one, and they want to do another one on the L four too. So my my lower. I'm done. I I there's no way I would. I lost all mobile mobilization. I lost my um, agility. It's just I just I'm just. But I'm good with it now, dude. I'm like in my forties. I'm like ah, eh. you know, I'm done with that abuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Would you say the fight that fight catapulted you and your fighting philosophy? Would it give your fighting philosophy into what the tenth planet jujitsu concept is like? So, and I know you told me, but for the for the audience, tenth planet jujitsu. What does that even mean? 
So a lot of people are gonna be it's, like, it's just some some space mythical shit that I used to be into. It's like you know, supposedly according. You're to not anymore because you're a flat earther, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, Ten Planet Jiu Jitsu was back when I was uh, you know, all into UFOs and and uh, ancient aliens, and I was all into that shit. And uh, uh, according to the ancient Sumerian text, if you uh, there's this guy named Zachariah Sitchin who's who transcribed that he was all up in ancient uh, aliens on, on the history channel. Uh, but he, uh, according to his uh, transcriptions, there's a 10th planet in our solar system. That's highly advanced. And they created us. They landed the on Anunnaki. our planet. All that. Yeah. yeah Anunnaki shit. So I, so I figured there's Japanese jujitsu, there's Brazilian jujitsu, 10th planet jujitsu must be insane. Actually that planet's called Nibiru. So I was going to call it Nibiru Jiu-Jitsu. Then Joe Rogan said, dude, that sounds stupid. Why don't you just call it 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu? And I'm like, nah, that's ridiculous. And then like five minutes later or a couple minutes later, I'm like, you know what? 10th Planet, it is 10th Planet. Holy shit. So Joe actually named it. But uh, once It I sounds like it out, it's an outside force coming in, disrupting everything. That's how I take it. Yeah, kind of. It's just really like highly, it's so advanced. This is the kind of if they have jujitsu in the tenth planet, it would be like this. It would be super advanced. It's just some stupid shit, and I, <laughs> and I just I just ran with it. So, like, so your philosophy jujitsu, how is it different from the Gracies? How were you able to beat the Gracies? Was it? Would you say, dude? Like, if you look back, would you say? Be honest. Would you say, shit, man? I guess I got kind of lucky, or would you say? your strategy, the skill set you had, was it different from what they were doing? Like, how'd you win? How did, how did you pull that off? Well, he's been, Hoyler Gracie had, you know, been training since before he could walk. So he's been training his whole life in jujitsu and uh, uh, won the world championships in the gi and no gi. He fought MMA as well. Um, and in, in ADCC, no one had ever scored a point on him. He won, he won at the last three, um times so he was coming in the favorite obviously no one ever even scored a point on him and at that point i had been training nine years so but um my training was specifically um geared towards no gi oh i was always the no gi guy in the gym i didn't really like playing tug of war with jackets you know i was like i got into jiu-jitsu because of the ufc I, the ufc didn't get me into jiu-jitsu so i see jiu-jitsu in the ufc hoist has a gi so then i'm like okay i guess i gotta wear a gi and i realized like you know we're, we're training in a gi and all our techniques require grabbing the lapel or the sleeves and playing tug of war with the get like how does that translate to no gi it didn't make any sense to me so i was always working on a style that would work no gi and gi and that really is a no-gi style because any no-gi style will work with the gi, but no, a gi styles don't work no-gi. So, or, or, you know, as efficient. So then I just started, I just started working. I'd only been training nine years and he'd probably been training 30 years, but I was training specifically for no-gi. And um, um, so that was a disadvantage was, to him because he was gi. He was mostly gi. But he also won ADCC three times in a row. So he was good no gi too. But every time, you, you know, every minute you spend training in the gi, you're not training no gi. So uh, 
that that's you know it was it was a that first one i was a brown belt so my style wasn't even totally developed not even it was like 30 percent developed at that time but i was still able to beat him so yeah i got lucky too on that one i got lucky but then in the rematch 11 years later um i was preparing for the rematch the whole time the whole time, trying pure no gi. I knew we were going to rematch. And I, based on what he did to me, and he does the same thing to everybody. I mean, I still beat him. I, I submitted him, but he was winning most of the match. And he so had you beat him in, in the some, rematch. Uh, well, the rematch was set to be 20 minutes. Um, and if there's no submission, no matter what happened in the match, it was considered a draw. So technically in the rematch, I drew. But if you watch the match, I wrecked him. He just didn't tap. I, he had nothing. I The first match, I tapped him. But the second match was a draw. I didn't tap him. But it, uh, it, uh, it's uh, I did way better in the second one because I, I was all over him. I mean, I, I did a lot of shit to him. And he he had nothing for me. He had no threats. So, so what you didn't you didn't want to? I mean, you obviously were a fan of UFC. You didn't want to go into the UFC. Did you attempt it? Did you think about it? Were you like, I think I might take the next move and go into the UFC and fight, or were you just like, ah, fuck, that ain't for me? Well, that's a good question because my whole life I wanted to be a rock star. So I moved to Hollywood to be a rock star. I was only teaching jujitsu just until I blew up in the music business. So any job I did, whether it was strip club DJ or writing comedy, it was all just a cool job until I blew up in music, right? So um, in my late 20s, you know, I'm purple belt jujitsu. I'm thinking, damn, man, uh, if my naked, man, what am I going to do? So I thought, okay, if that one in a million chance I don't blow up in music, I got to have a backup plan. And the backup plan is going to be MMA. So um, that's that's what really pushed me into my style of really focusing on no gi jujitsu and and jujitsu that works when people are trying to strike against you. That that particular style. My style is geared towards MMA, and um, so I was just I was training for MMA just in case my back was against the wall and I had no other alternative. It wasn't like beast or like, dude, my, I'm on a mission. I'm champion of the world. There's nothing going to stop me. Watch me. I'm going to work my ass off. I wasn't that guy. I was like, I'm training my uh, jujitsu to be MMA ready uh, just in case I had to do MMA. But you, you didn't know, need so any, you didn't need any of that shit because you won in 2003, right? It was 2003. Yes. And then it just catapulted you into where? Like what? How I did that transform? Money, I could just make money on jujitsu. I could survive on jujitsu. So, so, you, became, so you decided like after that, okay, now I can what? Open schools? I can create? No. No, now I could teach because I started teaching jiu-jitsu like the, the, a few days after I got back from Brazil. I was working as a comedy writer when I was in Brazil. And when I got back, I quit because I hated the job. That's an hour story, but it sucked working for Comedy Central. It was horrible. So I couldn't, I was, but I didn't have any, um, uh, alternative at that point because I quit the strip club DJ job and I couldn't go can't go back. I, I shouldn't have quit that job. So when I I tapped Hoyler Gracie out, I came back and I said, you know what? Now it's time to teach. You it. made a huge but, name for yourself. That that catapulted you into the spotlight, right? So everything kind of you wanted through music happened in jujitsu on that 
one. Yeah, yeah. But still, even at that point, when I opened up my, my first jujitsu school, it was not like at a boxing gym. It wasn't like I, I, I signed a lease and opened up a school. And it was just a boxing gym that already existed. The, the owner offered me, before Brazil, he offered me a job there. I was a brown belt. He goes, hey, you want to teach jujitsu? It's a dirty little boxing gym in Hollywood called the Bomb Squad. And I'm like, nobody's going to, like, I declined because I didn't have any heat. And at that point, most Americans wanted to learn jujitsu from Brazilians. They didn't want to learn from a Mexican. And I was like, I didn't, I wouldn't learn jujitsu. I wouldn't even do it. I wanted an authentic Dude, They Brazil. wanted the authentic Brazilian. <laughs> so I declined that job. But and only, mostly because I thought it would just fail. Um but then when I got back from Brazil, I'm like, I went back and I said, hey, is the, does the offer still stand? He said, hell yeah. So then I just started teaching at this boxing gym. First day, 18 people showed up. All the rejects from the, all the, the neglected rejects from other jujitsu schools showed up. And I'm like, damn, this is, so I, even at that point, I go, oh shit, I'm a, this is my new job, teaching jujitsu. Um, and I, even at that point, I thought, oh, this is a great job until I blow up in music. It was still that way. This was just going to be temporary until I took over the music business. And then happened, thank God. because Bulldog. <laughs> yeah, th thank God my music sucks, dog. Thank God. <laughs> Dude, let's talk about, I let's never... talk about, um, let's talk about boxing for a moment. I want to really get your perspective on this because you said yourself that you were a huge boxing, I guess, boxing fan, fanatic. Uh, you really loved boxing back in its heyday, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, until UFC came along. I feel UFC... You know, everyone says, oh, they can coexist. I'm like, I, you know, I used to think that. I used to think that, but now I don't I don't think that anymore. And and believe me, I love boxing. That's my first love, right? Um, but the way I see it now, especially the 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 pulse of, of boxing has always been the heavyweight division. Always been the heavyweight division. And what I feel just happened is the nail has just been put in the coffin of boxing. And for me to say that as a heavyweight prior champion i was an undefeated contender for me to say that is a lot bro i think tyson fury and i want to get your opinion on this the elephant in the room right now is francis naganu he went in there and in and in my mind and in everyone's mind that watched that fight you know tyson fury went to go hand pick somebody out of mma probably didn't take him as 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 seriously he should have but in my mind he ruined boxing he destroyed it right there that night francis naganu beat him okay and and i believe that i i know what i saw and i'm gonna give credit where credit's due do you think boxing can still coexist with uh mma or do you think it's done do i think tyson fury do you think tyson fury ended it I, I i don't know i don't know because i haven't really been following boxing that much since the ufc since 93 well, then that answers the question that answers exactly. it right there i don't i don't know but i will say this though um the heavyweight division over the last five six years has made a comeback with tyson fury with the bronze bomber and and uh andy ruiz is that his, his name yeah andy we, got, we got a mexican in there um, and then who there's like three or four, five Tyson Fury. There's, there's some guys now. It seems like I I've said this recently, like a year or two ago, I'm like, you know what? I did the boxing, the heavyweight divisions looking, uh, interesting again, you know, but what happens is, um, the reason I, I kind of, you just dropped boxing and went to the UFC. Cause I didn't know 
that was that much involved in real fights. I thought a real fight was boxing. I thought that was a fight. I thought fighting on the ground. I wrestled and I would take people down. I didn't think that was considered real fighting. And when back I saw in the you day, were, back in the day, that's what it was. You would you were looked at as a schmuck. If you if you grabbed yeah, someone and took them yeah. down, people would, they would separate you in high school. When we'd go fight after school, they would separate us and we'd have to stand up again. That's just the way it was. And I was like, I don't care. I don't have like this bad boy reputation to defend. I just want to survive fights. So I would double leg dudes and just hold them down. And um, then when I saw Hoist do that, drag people down, I'm like, you could fight. I'm like, oh my God, I think I like this. <laughs> I just had no idea. I had no idea there was like ground fighting existed. And I just fell in love with it. I'm like, oh my God, this is made for me. <laughs> no, but it works. It's what works. Yeah. Look, yeah. I, I told you, I think I told you this story when I was in high school. I fought with a wrestler, man, and he wasn't a jujitsu guy or nothing, but he took me to the ground, but we both fell off a curb and I got up faster than he did and cracked him in the face and that was it. It was over. But he took me down. He he successfully took me down, but we fell over a curb, which he got the shit into the stick on that one. But dude, that, that's how it was back in the day. You know, like if and if we were to continue fighting on the ground, they would have separated us and made us stand back up again. That's just that's how it was back in the nineties, early two thousands. But the Gracies transformed all that and made it look whatever works, works. It works. If you yeah. can beat a guy on the ground, you win. That's it. Yeah. It's just it's just um the way I look at it is um, like, uh, what would you rather have? Um, a Mercedes, brand new Mercedes, or a brand new Mercedes, brand new BMW, and a brand new Ferrari? What would you rather have? Yeah, you have more in your repertoire. Yeah, yeah. So when you're paying for entertainment, uh, MMA has boxing. There's boxing. They're not taking away boxing. It has everything boxing has, but it also has kicks. And fighting on the ground, like, whoa, I'd rather have all that, you know what I mean, than just one little thing, you know what I mean? So, MMA's the best. MMA's right, the right. best. And, 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 and I used to disagree with people like you all the time, and now I agree, because when, when I was fighting, you know, the hardest thing is, when you're hurt and you're fighting, the first thing you do is clinch. You know, you yeah. try to hold on to the guy and try to survive. The ref comes and breaks you apart, and that's it. It's game over. If you're too hurt, they're out, right? So I would always see UFC as options to get out of that scenario, right? I'd look at everything as options, but now I now I see it differently. But I guess what I'm asking you is, do you think that this can coexist? I mean, now, I mean, the people that watch boxing, I think, are now 40 and up. I don't even know. They're the old school. Uh, I mean, they're watching the, the, the last superstar right now is Canelo. I mean, we maybe have Ryan Garcia coming up. You got heavyweight boxing, but... What I'm saying is, how long do you see this coexisting? Do you see it coexisting forever? Or do you think just boxing will disappear? And I think, you know, boxing, I think the elephant in the room is Francis Nagano. Boxing will never disappear. There's room for rest. I mean, there's wrestling. Wrestling's never going to go anywhere. Jiu-jitsu's not going to go. Gi jiu-jitsu tournaments, that's the most boring shit ever. I'd rather watch boxing way more than gi jiu-jitsu. That's, that's, but that's never going to disappear. There's room for, for I mean, I, I'm all into combat jiu-jitsu. Combat jiu-jitsu is my favorite part of MMA. The ground with strikes. So I just, I just concentrate the show. Just that. No striking standing. We bring you down. We don't have stand-ups. We have get-downs. You could only be on your feet for a minute. You could wrestle for a minute. No striking at all. We just want you on the ground. Once you get on the ground, you could throw palm strikes and fucking break noses and break orbitals. That's what I like. So there's, but MMA is the complete thing. I'm just doing my favorite part. You know what I mean? And just getting like, because sometimes, 
you can watch three or four MMA fights and you don't see any ground fighting anymore. Now it's evolved into, because uh, uh, it used to be really easy to take dudes down, take strikers down. Now everyone's hard to take down. Everyone's got their takedown defense on lock. So take hard, man. So UFC ends up turning into uh, kickboxing with really good takedown defense. That's, that's yeah, really I, what I, it, and I, I, think I think it all... I think it all can coexist, but really, I see the future of boxing and bare knuckle boxing. I like. See, that's it. See, see, I understand. See, so when they wrap your hands in the dressing room, they wrap it like a cast, so you can deliver a much harder uh, concussive blow, right? So when they when they would wrap my hands, it would be like surgical. I would be like, oh man, I'd hate to get hit by these. And and bare knuckle, your hands break easier, and you don't have the impact you have cast, where you can definitely, you know, no, no, I get it, I get it, but but. Uh, you 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 don't want to throw full blown full power because you'll break your hand as yeah. much. But they, they still do, dude. And you look at the faces of these people, dude. It's so oh, longevity in this shit. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, it, it, they're the ones who chose to do it. You know what I mean? I'm just, and we're paying for it. Yeah, we're paying sixty bucks, seventy. So, so what I'm getting at, so UFC made you lose interest in boxing. What else made you lose interest in boxing? I think it became so political with all the organizations that, you know, you got these guys cherry-picking fighters now. I don't see that happening in UFC. Cherry-picking fighters, putting a rehydration clause into these contracts to where, if, okay, we're going to fight, uh, but you come down 20 pounds to fight me, and then you can't go back up the day of the fight. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It's cheating. It's cheating. It's, 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 I get a mess because it's so old. I mean, it's got to be. And just the fact that it's, it's like the number one sport or it used to be, or it's a top sport in betting and the gambling. And once you add the betting and the gambling shit, you like, and it's just one dude, you know, like a football, football is harder to rig. You know, it's hard to rig through the players. So you, football, you probably, it's, the rigging's probably, it's probably straight through the refs. Like the refs, are just throwing flags at certain times and shit like that when when they need to cover a spread. But with boxing or fighting, this is one dude. But I think with the boxing too, it's it's they got the judges. I think the judges are the ones. I think the 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 judges and the refs are the are the way uh, uh, fixes fights. That's that's what I, yeah, I they, think. They they buy off the judges. They buy off the referees. The fighters go in there and fight their hearts out. Like I, I always went in there. I never wanted to leave it up to the judges. I used to go in there and just seek and destroy, and go home early. Yeah. But you know, and that—that's I would never want to leave it into the judges' hands. But you know, I—I I don't know. I just I wanted to get your your take on this because I know you're friends with Rogan, and I know Rogan's didn't he have some beef with Fight Fury recently? Like <laughs> some shit where they're talking with, who? with Tyson Fury. You know what? I never heard of that. Really? Yeah. Well, Damn, there was I... there was some shit that Tyson Fury was talking about Rogan. And then once Naganu, Francis Naganu, did what he did against Fury, it looked to me like it was game on. And, and Joe Rogan did a whole show on like how Francis Naganu just whooped that ass. So I'm just curious on your thoughts. I know you're like one of his best friends. So, and look, I'm not, I'm not, I've been out of boxing now for so long. You know, I don't, I'm completely separated. It's like a marriage. You know, I look at it now like I don't ever want to see that again. I don't know anything about that. Tyson Fury beat. Ask I really him. don't. I'll ask him about it. I'm gonna ask, ask him. him about it. See, Nino yeah. wants to know what, like, what's his thought is on that, and I want to know his thoughts on where Nagano goes from here. Because I know Rogan probably knows the guy. I'm curious what's the next move for Nagano because, in all, Intense won the heavyweight championship of the world on a pro debut. On a pro yeah. debut, it's unheard of. It's kind of like what you yeah. did with Gracie. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I don't know what he's going to do, but I think I think he's going to he's he has a contract with PFL. I think uh, PFL and Ngannou are going to do stuff. I think you know I just see you know the headlines on Instagram. I, I don't I don't know the inside scoop. So see that says a lot to me. You don't even pay attention to it anymore. I don't. I don't. I barely pay attention to the UFC anymore. To tell you the truth, man, it's just for me. It's just all combat jujitsu, man. I all I'm. Because I'm in the business, so it's very interesting to me and intriguing to me what jujitsu works when there's strikes involved. Because jujitsu as a sport uh, is huge without the strikes, and it evolves into all these weird, um, uh, unrealistic situations in jujitsu. You could say that a little bit about boxing, right? Like boxing, like there, like the head movement or whatever. Like, oh, you just get taken down. If you can't do that, or you know what I mean. So. It would be like a boxer who wanted to tweak boxing or only focus on the boxing that would work if someone's trying to take you down. You know what I mean? Like, right. like if there was a boxing, let's just say there was a boxing show where you could take a dude down and get points for the takedown. No, no fighting on the ground. No fighting on the ground. As soon as you get down, because they, they do that in Muay Thai and in some forms of kickboxing where they allow takedowns, but you can't fight. That is the best form of boxing where... You're boxing, but you're also um, prepared for some takedown defense. And, um, you know, so that's how I look at combat jiu-jitsu. I'm like, jiu-jitsu is a beautiful thing, but if you're doing moves or relying on moves, real fight, that's not what I'm interested in. I'm only interested in jiu-jitsu that works with strikes. You know, I'm I'm wondering, I know we have the, you know, we have a mutual friend in Scott Peters, and I'm wondering, did you see how he's implemented this into football? Um, I, he, yeah, he, we, we talked about it, um, extensively, man. And, um, you know, he's, he's the offensive lines coach for the Cleveland Browns and sports illustrated did an article on him on, you know, NFL using jujitsu and wrestling techniques to help offensive linemen. I think, I think every, a defensive player should be wrestling. They all should be wrestling. Think about this. Ray Lewis, greatest linebacker of all time, he was a high school wrestling champion. Micah Parsons, right now considered the best linebacker in the game, he was a high school prodigy. Uh, uh, he was a wrestling prodigy, a youth wrestling prodigy. Then he got into, um, then he got into football. But the point is, football is all about a, it's all about balance and tackling and taking people down and, and, and uh, not letting people block you. You know what I mean? That's wrestling. That's wrestling. I would, I would, if I owned an NFL, well, I wouldn't be able to own an NFL team. If I owned like a, like a USFL team, I would, I would recruit wrestlers. I would just go to the high school wrestling team and just bring in all the wrestlers and make my whole defensive team, all my linebackers, everybody, all wrestlers. Right. And if and if you you didn't wrestle in high school, I would have a wrestling program during training camp because wrestling because the way jujitsu guys look at wrestling is the same way. Like, you know, we have a guy come in, a brand new guy, and he said, oh, I wrestled in high school and college already. We're like, oh, my God, this is going to this guy's going to be good. Like we look at guys like most most of the high level jujitsu guys in in the United States come from a wrestling background. This huge advantage, huge. When you, when you wrestled your whole life and then you're a black belt in jujitsu, holy, that's another level. That's a whole nother animal. 
And that's that's how I would look at it in football too. Football, shit. You know, if you wrestle, shit. I mean, I, yeah. I can you imagine a whole you're, you're a quarterback and yeah, but then, but then again, speed has to take it has to play into this also. You got to be fast. You got to be able to get to the guy to be able to get him down. Totally, totally. So those guys, th- those guys that are super fast and, and and they didn't wrestle, you get them on wrestling right away. But I'm sure you, I'm sure there's a whole shitload of wrestlers. You know, there's they're lightweight. There's there's little guys. You know, like cornerback uh, um, size. Uh, they're probably look, look what happens. Look what happens with with uh, world class sprinters to try to do NFL. It doesn't work that well. No, it doesn't. Doesn't. So we, try- we had a guy on the Browns, Anthony Schwartz. They drafted him. He was a sprinter, fastest guy. He was like running four one forties shit. And uh, dude couldn't hold on to a ball. Dude couldn't run around. Dude couldn't catch. You know what I mean? So speed is important for sure. But man, I think wrestling in, in on the defense event, especially and the offensive linemen, they don't need to do. They don't need to take anybody down. So they wouldn't need to. They would need to do just focus on sumo wrestling. Like all the offensive linemen, I would get them on sumo wrestling on the daily. You know what I mean? Dude, I, I, it, this concept to me, it makes complete sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Wrestling is wrestling is is the art of balance and taking people down. That's football. Football is like team wrestling. They and and then you, you look, dude. There's a list of like all the high, the highest level linebackers. They all, most of them, wrestled in high school. Or in junior high, that's huge. That's a huge base. That is. Let's let's. I'm going to keep you for just for a little bit longer, dude. I want to ask you some things real quick about. Yeah, so I wanted to touch on this just a little bit, man. We'll just switch gears just real quick. How? So you were all into. That's where you got the name for the jujitsu schooling is Tenth Planet. So what? How, what made you shift? Shift from Nibiru outer space? No idea. I had. DVDs, every space documentary you could think of, all the space series, the universe, you know, with 11 episodes, 11 DVDs, the BBC, the solar system, the sun, the galaxy, space, everything I watch over and over and over again in my 30s. I'm a grown ass man. I wanted to be that guy that could, they could tell you, you know, be at a party and can talk about neutron stars and how far away they are and super hypernovas. I wanted to be that. A space expert, and um, and but I never believed we went to the moon. I, I was like, "Oh, that's bullshit." Oh, no, I, I, I believe I, I do in right space. off the bat. I believe in space, but I'm like, I never bought the moon shit. Maybe as a kid I did, but like once I was old enough to, you know, think for myself, I was like, we did not go to the moon, and um, and I thought, you know, NASA's job was the moon, the moon missions. That's what I thought NASA was. NASA was the moon. So I didn't believe NASA. They faked the moon missions. But I didn't think like everything, all space information came from NASA. I didn't even put that together. I just thought space information comes from everybody. It's so obvious, space, planets. And then um, one of my students came up to me one day in the middle of a, a like a 9-11, you know, rabbit hole discussion. And he goes, hey, you ever look into flat earth? And right there, I was like, I felt like I lost a soldier. I'm like, oh my! And he, on Joe Rogan's podcast once a long time ago, Joe was talking about how, how stupid something was, and how what what stupid things people will believe. And he goes, Yeah, dude. And there's there's people out there who still think the Earth's flat. And I remember going, What? There are what? And I'm a grown ass man. I'm like 40 saying shit like that. <laughs> 
And he goes, no, dude, there's people that think the world is flat. I'm like, come on, dog. I, like, I, I couldn't believe it. And then my student comes up to me and asks me, you know, dude, you ever look in the... And I'm like, dude, I just... I felt like I really lost a brother. And I, I'm like, I can't ever talk to you again. And then a few months later, another guy in class, a guy named Ernest. First guy's name was Manny. Second guy's name, Ernest. Ernest sitting against the wall in between rolls goes, hey man, you ever look into flat earth? And I'm like, oh my God, not this shit again. And you know, I'm super <laughs> at this point. And he goes, hey, he goes, hey, listen, I got, I got a master's in engineering. You need to look at it. You look into it. And I'm like, uh, Earth from space, dog. I got it on my phone. I'm, remember the iPhone default setting? Yes. The, the yes. picture of Earth from space. And I like it. You see it around, dog. I see it every day. Um, and then uh, I went home and I'm like, just going to Google pictures of Earth from space. That's what he told me. He goes, go, go, go Google that and then find, find some pictures. And I go, I will. And I was going to text him all the ones I found. But then when I looked at him, he's like, damn. He may be right. These all look CGI-ish. These guys, and then I, and I scroll and I'm like, what? That's what Google pictures, man. They're all CGI. No, no. And all those DVDs and documentaries of space, it's all CGI. They never show you like a, like actual shit. And, um, and uh, then once I started clicking on the pictures and they would all send me the NASA.gov. I'm like, wait, these are all come from moon missions. Like, and then I realized, oh my God, NASA controls all of this space shit. Oh shit! Then that's when I knew. I'm like, um, and then then you, you then you find out that NASA admits that the pictures aren't real. They admit it. They go, and oh, they lost the, the footage. They lost the footage to the moon landing. How do you yeah. lose the footage to the moon landing? Yeah, exactly. You see that? Exactly. You hear about that? So so they say, yeah, yeah, they lost everything, like seventeen thousand like hours of telemetry data or whatever, something like that, and then they lost it all. But the crazy thing is they say, yeah, yeah, yeah. All these pictures are CGI composites because they have to be because we take strips of data and then we got to stitch it together and then we get a CGI artist to make his own rendition of it. And uh, and they go, but there is one real picture from Earth. And that's the one that um, uh, Neil Armstrong or Buzz Aldrin took from the moon. I go, oh, so you got one real one taken from the moon but you guys fake that so you're all full of shit so at that point i'm at that point i was like oh my god i gotta look into this flat earth shit and the more you look into it like a detective it's no one no one ever goes flat and goes back to the ball no one ever there's Dude, never you can and i'm not and i'm not i can't say and i'm I'm not gonna go full retard on this i'm not gonna say i'm off it's all flat i fucking you know i just don't know i just say i don't know I don't know. Yeah. I've never been up there, but I know one with Elon Musk, right? Going into this SpaceX launch. Okay. Before it even was launched, I was on my podcast and I was like, it's going to fail. I just feel it. It's going to fail. So my question to you is, and it, and they did fail. It failed. Oh, we, we, uh, we, we exploded the rocket because we detonated it. Cause you know, just, we just felt like we needed to like get the fuck. Come on. So what's your thoughts on that? Did you watch that SpaceX launch and, do you believe there's from? Isn't there a bunch of SpaceX launches though? Well, this la this last engines. one was supposed to go in, you know, thirty three rocket engines, thirty three, you know, yeah. go yeah. into space, and bro, they it doesn't make it; it explodes. And they said, "Well, we did that on purpose." My question to you is: It looks like if you see, there's other videos floating around where it looks like to me, it punctured some kind of saline bag, like some kind of firmament. 
bro. That's what it looks yeah. like. I didn't see any black smoke. I didn't see any shit fall out of the sky. It went through something that it looked like water. Did yeah. you see this? Yeah, all the stars. When you look at stars through a telescope, they look like like you're underwater and there's like if there was lights outside of a pool and you go under the water and look up at the lights through the water, that's what stars look like under telescopes. People are like, oh, you you don't even know what stars look like under telescopes. It looks like a light through water. That's what it looks like. It doesn't look like it's round at all. No stars look round or like a ball at all. They look like some electromagnetic pulse. Going yeah, and, then, and then during the day, the sky is completely blue like the ocean. That's a trip. Yeah, <laughs> that's a trip, right? And then how is the moon and the sun the same size? I know you're not 100% on flat earth, but I'll give you a little statistic that 100% of the people that said that, that you don't want to, 100% will eventually admit it. Dude, I... Eventually you will. You know how many podcast hosts have went through their flat earth revelation during, during, uh, you know, filming podcasts, little by little. They talk about just like you, just like you, just little by little. You're already on your life. I believe, in, I believe in densities, right? And I believe we're vibrating at a certain density. I, I think this is a, there's levels to this. You know, that's what gravity is. It's a certain density. We're in this third dimensional density. And and I think the higher you go, obviously, the higher the vibration or the higher the density. And I I think the the firmament there is to keep us in the, in this three-dimensional density. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, I, so what do you think is outside the firmament? What do you think is outside of this? Whatever that is, that's we're, we're, we're in a lake surround in the shoreline to this like lake. a bull. We're in it. It's it's like I don't know. This is me guessing based on what I've seen. And there's a bunch of lakes, dog. They're all over the place. This is just Earth Lake, and we're surrounded by an ice wall. And there's plenty of video of it. There's plenty you can go on YouTube and watch plenty of video of an ice wall, bitch. That ain't no iceberg. That's an ice wall that goes on for miles and miles. We're surrounded. We're we're in a lake. And there's like an island and islands in, in, in a lake. And we're just one of the islands in this gigantic lake. The sun and the moon are really close to us. The sun's not 93 million miles away. The sun is very close and it goes around, it goes around us. It hovers around us. And it, it appears that it's it's setting, but the sun is not setting. It's just going so far away you can't see it. It's there's it's we're in a lake and there's a bunch of lakes, dude. What, so, what, so what's what's your explanation for aliens? I mean, are you going back? So, so me, it would it would have seemed to me that it would take you for me. I in my awakening process, I left the Bible and I find myself doing you know going through my awakening, extraterrestrials, Nabooru, the whole thing, and now I'm going right back to the, the Bible. Yeah, yeah. Like what's happening? End, yeah, at the end uh, of the rabbit hole, the deepest rabbit hole is God. That's what happens. Everyone finds God. Everyone, you know. It, everyone has their different religions they call god whatever but the deeper you go down the rabbit hole the more you the 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 bigger the chance you're going to find god you know i believe in god i don't know what religion is the right religion out there everyone's saying but the one thing that they all say is that there is a an almighty god that somehow is in charge and created this who knows? Like, have you heard? Uh, there's a guy I just had on, uh, uh, Joel. I forget his last name, but my audience will put it in the chat. Uh, he talks about abductions, right? And that the one, the one main evidence he has that's documented it's 600 cases of testimonies of stopping an alien abduction was in the name of Jesus Christ. 
and it stopped him immediately, and they never happened again. In the name, that's the only way to stop him. That he is, he, and this guy's part of MUFON. He goes to the the UFO uh, seminars, whatever, and he and he says that on record, the only way to stop them is through the name through Jesus Christ. What's your thoughts on that? If that's true, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Um, I believe a lot of the aliens, and they drag them in, and and they make them think they want people to believe in aliens. They they want it. Because their their last card to play is going to be the fake alien invasion. That's Boom. the last. That's the last one. So they need everyone to believe in aliens. They believe we're on a ball, infinite space, flying saucers. Aliens are going to attack. That's what they which want. is they why want. and which is why they had ancient alien aliens on for a decade. That, they were conditioning the public. Star Trek, Star Wars, ED, all that interstellar. They green light anything that has anything to do with space. They greenlighted, even if the plot isn't necessarily um, a, a pro agenda, pro 2030 agenda or whatever, even if it isn't, as long as the backdrop is space and, and, and ball planets floating, that's good enough for them. They really, it would be great if they get a space movie with, you know, some New World Order agenda in there, which I think Star Wars kind of is, kind of is you know, they, uh, that has a new like Lord of the Rings is a hundred percent. The aliens are going to come get us if we don't unite. And in Lord of the Rings, the the castles that didn't unite works ran through them. So Lord of the Rings is like we all need to unite against the aliens. That's all that is. That's all predictive aliens. programming. Predictive programming. Yep, yep. We all need to unite against the the evil aliens. That's Eddie, new man, world order shit like that. I won't take any more of your time, brother, man. It's it's been awesome talking to you, man. I appreciate you. Um, so maybe I'll see you to one. Uh, maybe I'll see you at a Browns game at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, man! That'd you be know? cool. The Browns game uh, wasn't too um, a thrilling Sunday though, but but Joe Flacco looked good, man. He looked good. I'm uh, I'm, I'm not giving up on the Browns. Were you still. were you on the field or were or, or did you up in the stands? No, I was up in the stands. You know, yeah. So Scott didn't bring you down on the field. No, man, he's got a job to do. He's busy. He ain't going yeah, to drag you down. You can't be doing that kind of shit. You'd get fired. <laughs> I know. You'd get fired. I had All tickets. Right. I had tickets for like six months. And that's your game. That's your team, the Browns. That's your Cleveland Browns, dog. But you probably, you probably, see, my team's the Dallas Cowboys, but you probably hate the Dallas Cowboys. I don't really give a shit about them. They're on the NFC. They're on the yeah. other side. I like, you know, I like Dak Prescott. He looks good. CD Lamb looks good. You know what I mean? But, um, uh, Micah Parsons, like I mentioned earlier, I, I pay attention, but I, I just the teams I hate are teams in the in the AFC North, like like uh, you know the Steelers and the. Yeah. Bears. Hey Eddie, thank you, man. Thanks for thank coming you, on my dude. show, I brother. Appreciate it, man. Let's we'll do part touch, two. Bro, we'll do and, part uh, two on my. We'll do part two on my show sometime soon. Let's do it, my man. Uh, oh yeah, where do people find you? Where is your show? Um, I just dropped. You know what? I never gave up on music. I never stopped writing music. I just dropped a new album. It's it, the band's called Hook Thieves, and the album's called Jar of Lies. And you could find that on of Lies. Audience. Jar of Lies. It's kind of like it's a it's a Alice in Chains. Exactly, a Jar of Lies. The album cover is the same album cover, except that kid has a, a mask on, and instead of having a jar of flies, so it's like a, it's a tribute to Alice in Chains because it's like I, I, I Usually I make serious hard music and this this is like a comedy parody album, but it's all acoustic and piano. So it's kind of like Alice in Chains. They were a heavy band, heavy grunge, a lot of metal in them. 
But when they, they would do acoustic albums, they did Jar of Flies, that was acoustic. And they also did Sap, which was an acoustic album. So that's kind of like, it's kind of a parody. Are you, of that, are like, you heavy into the, were you heavy into the grunge scene and all that or not really? Dude, Allison Chains is in my soul, dog. But yeah, I wasn't really that, in, I wasn't really that into like Nirvana and like Pearl Jam. Nah, darker. I like darker. I liked Nutshell. Allison Chains, Soundgarden. Soundgarden. Right? Yes. Yes. Jesus I, Christ that's, phones. That's one of the greatest songs ever. Jesus dude. Christ phones. <laughs> yeah, bro. I, I'm with you on that. I like the. I like Temple of the Dog. I like uh, Stone Temple Palace was okay, but my favorite '90s band has to be Alice in Chains. I like Pearl Jam too, though. I do like Pearl Jam. They were too light for me. Really? But you know what, Pearl Jam. They're. I didn't really like any of their old stuff really at all, but. That's the the newer stuff. That that song, uh, "Breathe," just breathe into the wild song. soundtrack, right? Yeah, I don't know what's what's. It's on something, but it's a newer Pearl Jam. Everybody uh-huh. knows "Just Breathe." That's a huge song. Just I like breathe, that yeah. one. I, that one's yeah. undeniable. And they have a song, a newer song called "The Fixer." That's a good song. Too. I haven't I like heard that one. Too. Yeah, that's a good. It's not. It's like ten years old, but new compared to like uh, J- Oaken. Oh, you know what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, that that Who's you know that kid. The one last thing, you know that kid. He passed away, man. That kid that was in the video. He like died of a surfing accident or something like just a few yeah. years ago. That you the the original kid in the video, yeah. That's crazy. How about the original kid on the cover of Nirvana's Nevermind? That little baby that's he's trying to sue them or something. Really, <laughs> something like that. Like that guy wants his money, dude. He's, he's like thirty five now. What is he like? It, he's got to be like thirty something now. Holy shit, bro. Anything can come back and bite you in the ass, dog. Anything. Eddie, <laughs> thank you, my man. So where, where do people go, though? I mean, so they go to Hook Thieves, Jar of Lies. Where's your website? Where, where, where do they go? On 10thplanetjj.com. 10thplanetjj.com. Yeah. and there's Text a, it to there's me, dude. Single, the single to the album is called El Coyote, and it's Coyote. about uh, it's something through the eyes of a human smuggler through the border the coyotes so it's a joke song but uh there's a music video too you go on youtube hook thieves el coyote it's a hilarious music video mike beltran plays a ms13 guy we turned it into <laughs> we turned it into a, a john wick video i wanted to make sure the video had no message like you can't tell like you don't know what like is he pro this or pro it's like it's just confusing on purpose <laughs> i love it well it's like a day in the life in el paso dog um <laughs> Shit. All right, Eddie, let's keep in touch, brother. Text me, text me that 10th planet, G. I want to make sure I got it right. Okay, man. Thank you, dude. Appreciate you, man. Have a good day. You too, bro.